Um, we're going to be going over a very familiar story that maybe a lot of us read. Um, hopefully I can bring kind of a new fresh aspect to the story. But this whole series called Love Like Jesus, um, we kicked it off last week. We talked about one of the ways to love like Jesus is that we need to, we need to forgive. It's kind of this, um, I like to call it kind of the forbidden F word that a lot of us have a hard time doing to forgive. Now with Christians, we think of forgiving. We obviously, we looked at the picture of Jesus on the cross, uh, the criminals uh, hanging beside him. People were persecuting him, uh, spitting on him, mocking him and all these things. And so when we think of forgiveness, we think of kind of that story, don't we? Like that's forgiveness. And, and so we kind of got in this context is uh, as Christians to forgive someone that did us harm or did something wrong to us. We have this thing called we forgive and we forget, Right. We forgive and we forget. And Jesus is actually, he goes even further and he says, uh, rather than forgiving and forget, what you should do as a process of forgiving someone is that you actually need to pray blessings over those who have hurt you. And I talked a little bit about my upbringing. Uh, I had an abusive mother growing up and talked about this process, this season I was walking in of forgiveness with my biological mom. If you missed out on that, uh, that sermon, you can catch up on all these. These are being recorded right now. Uh, you can go on therockmp.com and check out all these previous sermons. Um, but it was, it was a very powerful sermon. And I pray it was as powerful for you as it was for me when I was writing it. And uh, just the aspect of those who have hurt you, instead of asking God to get vengeance on them, instead of asking God that they would get what's coming to them or uh, kind of a, a, if you're uh, uh, kind of in the, in the new age stuff, which I, I pray that we're, we're not, uh, you have this thing called karma and you're like, I hope they just get that bad karma and those things. And I, I tell you what, um, Jesus, because he not only believes in first chances and second chances, but he also believes in third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. There's never ending forgiveness with Jesus. And not only does he forgive you, but he wants the best for you. And so we talked about that, hey, maybe instead of those who have hurt us, not only should we forgive them, but let's also pray the good things of God over their lives. It just makes you that much closer to Jesus, because that's actually how to love like Jesus. Next week, we're going to be talking about to love like Jesus, we need to break bread with one another. And uh, um, Autumn, our youth leader, will be uh, talking on that as I will be uh, gone next week. So you don't want to miss out. It's going to be really great. Autumn is an A-plus speaker, great communicator, and she's going to be bringing the heat next week. Um, but today, we're going to be talking about loving like Jesus through service. Loving like Jesus through service. And uh, before we begin, there's a story of a husband and wife. Um, the husband and wife uh, had to go to his doctor because the husband started feeling really, really sick. And just like any guy here, unless you're me, because I like to be a really big baby when I even just get the cold. Any here guys like that? Like, you're just like the biggest baby, and you're like, oh, <laughs> like my wife needs to take care of me. Uh, I'm like that. But this husband, he tried to really toughen it out. Um, unfortunately, the pain got too much for him to bear, and so he told his wife, he said, hey, babe, we need to go to the hospital and get this thing checked out with my stomach. And so they go there, they tell the doctors, this is how he's feeling. The doctor says, hey, we need to run some diagnostics on you, get some CAT scans, all the different types of scans. So he puts them through all this different stuff, and the doctor enters the uh, waiting room, and it seems like for hours for this husband and wife. And the doctor says, I found something, um, but I need to talk to the wife first. And so he's like, can I talk to you? So they go off to a corner and they talk. And of course, as a husband, he's kind of worrying, like, oh, my goodness, what did he find? And he's beginning to tell this wife, he says, hey, do you know what? Um, your husband's got this really, really rare disease, and it's not looking too good. Um, in fact, if you don't treat it as soon as you can, he'll actually die. And uh, he says, but there's hope in here, because um, as, as the wife to your husband, 
Um, if you can do a few things for him, he can live, actually, with this disease, and he doesn't have to die. She says, oh, yeah, of course. What do I need to do? And he, she says, well, uh, with this disease, um, he has to have a very strict diet, and you're going to have to cook three to four times a day with very strict dieting rules. Um, not only that, he has to have a sterilized environment, so you're going to have to clean almost twice a day from floor to ceiling and just keep a very sterile environment for your husband. Um, upon that, uh, he can't go outside his house, so you're going to have to be the sole money provider uh, and do, do all this stuff. And he says, if you do all of this for your husband, your husband's going to live. And the doctor left the wife with just the thoughts, and she's kind of wrestling with all this and goes back in the room. And the husband's like, oh, my goodness, like, what did the doctor say? And she looked at her husband and says, honey, I'm sorry, but you're going to die. <laughs> that was funny. Put that down, Jared, as a good pastor joke. They all laughed at that one. We're talking about loving like Jesus through our service. And I think when we approach service, whether it's in our community or in our church, uh, we kind of maybe approach it kind of like that cheesy story with this wife. It's thinking, oh, that's too much. Uh, that's uh, beneath me. Um, or maybe if you're a lot like me, you're thinking, I don't really have a lot of time for that. We don't have enough time in our schedule to fit in all these last-minute things. And so as we talk about loving like Jesus, we're looking at his ministry. And uh, the problem is that to love like Jesus, we need to actually have an opposite response to service. Jesus, through his entire ministry, went out of his way to provide irrational acts of love and service to everyone around him. If you just read the story of Jesus, you see that he was really in a ministry of, of service. He was always providing irrational service to everyone around him. Not only just acts of love, but these acts of love shocked everybody because they were just that irrational, just that big. And John 13, we're gonna be looking at a story near the end of Jesus' life where he's about to be hung on the cross and did yet another irrational act of love and service. And it's going to teach us kind of this big concept that to love like Jesus, we wash feet. Anyone here have a foot thing? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, are we talking about that in church? Yes, we're going to be talking about feet today. We're going to talk about washing feet. And there's a really big, uh, there's a bigger aspect to that about to love like Jesus, we wash like Jesus. We wash feet. And this is what we're going to look at. John 13, 1 through 5. Let's go ahead and just read it. It says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. And I love this part. It says that he had loved his disciples during his ministry on the earth. And now he loved them to the very end. Please notice Jesus does not run out of love for his people. Jesus does not run out of love for his disciples and his children. Verse 2, it says, It was time for supper, and the devil have already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. We kind of know that story. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him the authority over everything, and that he had come from God and returned to God. So verse 4, so he got up from the table. And this is what I want you to pay attention to, church. He got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, including Judas's feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Okay, so I noticed by reading this, it's kind of like we've, we've seen this story. If you're brand new to church and kind of brand new to the faith or just new to this whole Jesus thing, um, this is a very common story that we read talking about kind of service. Uh, but I want to kind of give a fresh aspect to this common story. The reason why this story uh, sounds a little weird, uh, but it's actually really, really 
big deal is that during this time, it was kind of the Last Supper, some scholars believe it's the Last Supper, and Jesus is sitting at this table, and they're eating, and Jesus is looking around the table, and he sees two things. One, he sees proud hearts, because during this time, we see in Luke, that the disciples were having this kind of childish argument as to who is Jesus' favorite. Anyone here have your kids argue about who is mom and dad's favorite? (laughs) Parents, do you have a favorite child? Raise your hand. Mine changes about every day. Some of your parents aren't raising your hand. That's smart. That's good parenting. But he, he sees and he, the, these disciples are arguing and says, no, I'm the favorite. I'm the favorite. And Jesus is hearing all of this. And he says, you know, I, 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 I need to do something important. And the reason why this whole aspect of washing feet and what Jesus is about to say is so important is because this is essentially Jesus' farewell message to his disciples. This is the biggest thing that he's about to say before he gets hung on the cross and dies and defeats death and does all that great stuff that we talk about later on. But just like in every farewell speech we listen to, we have to pay attention because there's important concepts that the speaker wants us to learn and to digest. And so Jesus, he, he gets up and begins to do something. It says, it's important to see this church because Jesus, he, he's giving this farewell address. Verse four, I just want to reread it just for us. He gets up from the table, he takes off his robe and wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and then begins to wash the disciples' feet. I said in the beginning, Jesus, when he did something, it was usually intentionally irrational, meaning he did it in a way that would make people question. The reason why Jesus was washing feet, he was trying to point out something for his disciples to learn. This is what you need to do when I'm gone. I'm about to leave you. What I'm about to do, you need to pay attention because this is what you're called to do in this world. Jesus gets up. And the reason why washing feet was so irrational was because it was against all Jewish customs. Just kind of check this out with me. During this day and age, when you would visit someone's house, if you were a Jew visiting another Jew, it was very common to be approached before entering the house, get a kiss on the cheek, and they would offer to wash your feet. And that was kind of common custom. It was kind of like us. You come to my house, I said, hey, can I get you something to drink? Can I take your coat? Um, you know, like sit down and relax. You know, is there anything else I can do? It was very common. It was very honoring to, uh, to the guest, in a sense, you're the host. And so what he was doing, essentially, uh, he was providing this custom, but this custom was so beyond or so beneath to the Jews that if you were to go to someone's house, a Jewish house, they would offer this to you, but they would actually not do this to your feet. The Jewish host wouldn't wash your feet. He would actually have his servant wash your feet. And not just any servant, because it was so beneath the Jews to wash your feet, they wouldn't allow the Jewish servants to do it. It would be their Gentile slaves to do it. And if they didn't say you were a Jew and you were hosting and you didn't have a Gentile slave, you wouldn't even offer to wash their feet. And the whole point of the custom of washing feet was to show the person you're hosting is saying, look how great I am. I have servants to do my dirty work. It's the whole reason why they had this custom. And Jesus is getting up from this table as a Jew, as a rabbi, And saying, do you know what? I'm going to do something that not even the lowest of the low Jews do. I'm going to do something that you reserve for the worst of the worst in our society. And so he gets up, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around his waist as a servant, as a slave, and begins to wash 
feet. I mean, you got to imagine this, church. This, this is Jesus, the, the King of kings, the, the Lord of lords, the, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's known as kind of our rock and our redeemer. He's our righteousness, our, our, our sanctifier. This is Jesus, the Son of God, and he's kneeling down to do the dirtiest of work. What an example to give to someone around you. Why did Jesus do this? I believe Jesus did this to reiterate what he said in Mark 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life for ransom for many. You see, Jesus looked around the table and he saw two things. And I think we can say the same thing. We can look around in our little world and we can see two things. We can see proud hearts. We can see people that need to be served. You can look around anywhere. You see proud hearts. And you see people that need to be served. And Jesus, he saw their dirty feet. And he said, I can do that. This one's mine. And he washed their feet. Here's the first point, church. To love like Jesus, we serve. I know that's not deep, it's not full of theology or doctrine, but I think it's really plain and simple to see what Jesus is doing. He's trying to show us, hey, if you're going to be like me, you can't be first, but you're going to have to be last. If you're going to be like me, you're not going to sit at the head of the table, you're going to be down here washing feet with me. It's almost like this. I remember first getting into ministry, and I was up in Scotts Bluff. Uh, I was a, a college pastor for a while. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, I, was, I got a full-time ministry at the age of 20. I was very young. And uh, I, di I didn't know the first thing about ministry. I, I thought, you know, I'm going to go up there, give an awesome sermon. I'm going to do these things, and it's going to be great. And so I get up there, and the first thing I was handed was not my pulpit or a study Bible or anything like that. What was handed to me was a pumice stone and bleach. And the thing that I had to do first to begin my ministry is scrub poopy toilets. And I did that for almost for a full year. Now, I thought this was like the initiation, like, oh, I can do this. But there was an example there that I was supposed to learn from. You see, when you follow Jesus, you sign up to do dirty work. When you become a disciple of Jesus, you're signing up for the dirty work. To love like Jesus, we serve. Service is important to Jesus, and it's important with our walk with Jesus. And in fact, it's so important. If you jump down to John 13, verse 12 through 17, Jesus really sums up why he did what he did. I want to read this together. Verse 12, he says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you're right because that's who I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, check this out, church, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. 17, now you know these things. God will bless you for doing them. 
Jesus is equalizing the playing field. He says, not one of you is greater than the other. Not one of you is my favorite. Not one of you is my least favorite. And I think if Jesus was in a physical embodiment today and he's trying to tell you, he's saying, there's nothing so beneath you and there's nothing so above you. You guys are an equal playing field when it comes to following Christ. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're the lead pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a greeter. It doesn't matter if you're in Kids Rock. It doesn't matter if you're working. We all called to do the same thing. And that's to serve. As a Christian, as a Jesus follower, we're called to serve. We're not asked to, not if we feel like it or wait for a season of life that doesn't seem busy. I tell, I tell you what, I think that's the biggest excuse. I use this all the time. It's just, oh, I'm really busy. I can't do that right now. I've got a lot of stuff going on. Can't do that, God. My schedule's pretty full. Maybe I'll wait till next year when my season's not so busy. I'm telling you, busyness is a tactic from the enemy. Because guess what? We're called to serve. If we're called to serve, that means God will give you the exact amount of time that you need to do what he's called you to do. We're called to serve. A life of service because in God's kingdom, the greatest person is the least. That's how God, God's kingdom operates. Remember the disciples fighting who was the greatest before Jesus was like washing feet? This is how Jesus responded to them in Luke 22. It says, then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lord, lord it over their people, yet they called it the friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you shall take the lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, I think we would answer the same way. But Jesus says, but not here, for I am among you as the one who serves. I'm telling you, as a Jesus follower, we're called to serve. It's not an if and or but deal. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to service. And I know this seems really harsh because, again, we've got busy schedules, don't we? Or we like say, I got different love languages. I got different things here and there and all this other stuff. But I'm telling you, when we sign up for Jesus, we're also signing up to serve. And I believe we're called to serve in two ways. And these are just my two points today. The first way that we're called to serve, to love like Jesus, we're called to serve in our community. We're called to serve in our community. And you can take this as a point of community service if you want, but the act of Jesus washing feet was to tell us that we're, we're not above the most menial tasks that come across our way. This, is, this could look like a, just a many different ways. I love the example that Walt Disney made. There's a story of Walt Disney that uh, when he was making Disney World, he wanted such a, a great atmosphere and a great experience for everyone that would come. But the issue was he needed to provide great, excellent service. And he was trying to tell his people, he says, you're not above any task here. That includes picking up garbage. And Walt Disney was most known for the fact that he would always be picking up litter as he was walking through his park. I mean, this is billionaire CEO, like Walt Disney. He had people he paid to do that, but he wasn't above that job. He wouldn't even do that. Even here at church, I mean, we have teams here, but I mean, I still wash toilets. Some of y'all need to aim a little better. But I do that. Our team, we stack chairs. 
We have teams here that clean the stuff because we're not above it. And church, you need to know when we're serving a community, we're not above the most menial things in our community. I get reminded of this of every winter. Uh, one thing that I hate about winter is I hate shoveling snow. Anyone here with me? I love winter because it usually brings around hunting. That's what I like winter for. Hate the snow shoveling, hate those things. And so, but what happened is uh, I had to shovel the snow. And the reason I hate it so much is because what you're essentially doing is you're shoveling snow to make more room for more snow to fall down and stay permanent on the sidewalk. And you have to keep doing it over and over again. And I hate it. I really do not like it. And so, but for some reason you have to do that because my wife says, well, our neighbors are going to walk across and they might slip. And I said, well, that's on them. They, that's, Who's out there walking in the snow like that? But I still have to shovel snow. So I get up there, and, and I shovel snow, and, and usually it, it's not as bad of a deal as I make it to be. It's, it's not that horrible of a job. Put in some earbuds, listen to a podcast, some music, whatever, and I, I go shoveling. And it never fails. About a couple years ago, um, I really felt a tug on, on my heart and saying, hey, uh, you need to shovel your neighbors. I'm like, No. Like, this already took me 15 minutes. I don't, I don't got another 10 minutes. Why don't he wake up early and shovel my walk? You know, and you, you guys have arguments with the Holy Spirit like this, right? At least, at least I do. And so, I mean, we're, we're having this argument. And, and, and eventually, I, I kind of left it aside. And every time I go out and shovel, I kept on staring at my, drive, at my neighbor's drive. And, and I, I just look at it, and it's not shoveled. I'm wondering, why isn't he shoveling it and all that stuff? Because he's a really young guy, and he's fit, and he can do it. We can all be shoveling together, and then we could, that'd be great. But that's not the deal. And so I eventually began shoveling his walk. And there's really no really big point to the illustration rather than ever since then, every time I shovel my walk, I shovel my neighbors. Now, what does that mean? I, he doesn't go to church anywhere. I rarely see him. Um, don't really don't know his family because he works nights and they're off during the days and those things. But it shows that we are not above the most smallest task that God has called us to. We're not above the smallest task that God has called us to. So let me ask you this question. Where can you serve in your community? And really, if you're wondering, Pastor Ron, is it as easy as shoveling your neighbor's walk? Yes. It is so easy. For us, maybe it's like you're mowing the elderly lady's lawn that's down the street. Or it could be raking leaves at a park or something like that. And I know this seems silly because it doesn't sound super spiritual, but I'm telling you, when you begin to serve like that, you begin to look more like Jesus. And while it doesn't seem like you're opening doors for good Holy Spirit conversation to happen, it definitely will. You just have to take that first step. I mean, how can you serve? School started up, and I heard some parents in the room got teachers gifts on the first day of school. That's serving your community. I know uh, people mow other people's lawns for free. That's serving your community. Some of you, you coach Little League for free. Holy cow, that's a job. Because when you're trying to tell the Little League soccer team to kick the ball, and there's that one kid who's crying and chasing butterflies, you have to have a good spirit about him. <laughs> I think God might be calling me to coach Little League soccer. I don't know, to learn a few things. But you do it. That, that's serving your community. Every year, our church takes a Sunday 
We don't take it off. We actually go in our community and we do a thing called survey. Last June, to give a quick highlight, uh, we cleaned and sorted the basement at Bridge of Hope. We took thousands of pounds of mulch and we mulched Cody Park for free. Uh, a crew went out and spent hours weeding Linden and States to help out our senior citizens. Uh, even the children got involved. They met here at the church and made over 50 care packages to our troops that are deployed. They're actually going to be sent out here in a couple weeks over to Greenland. But even they got involved and wrote uh, nice encouragement letters to our troops that are deployed. And it's just to teach us that we are called to serve. And we're actually called to serve our community. We're called to serve. And you're thinking, oh, man, that's, just, that's, that's not meeting a spiritual need. Let, let me tell you this. Jesus did this. Jesus fed 5,000 people. And there, yes, there was a spiritual concept that followed later on when he had the inner conversation with his disciples, but he met the need of hunger. It was very clear in scripture. People were hungry. Jesus had the power to multiply food. So what was he going to do? He was going to feed the masses. We're called to serve. Every quarter we, we, we serve uh, in, in our, our local Salvation Army where you can actually feed the hungry. And they serve from 100, 200 people every time we do it. And let me tell you, they brag about our food. They look forward to it. Don't they, Phyllis? They do it. Because we're called to serve our community. It could be like making someone a holiday meal this year that doesn't have food, that just got laid off the railroad. It could be watching kids, serving Salvation Army, whatever you know, you know what you can do to serve your community. So my question is, what are you going to do? And when you do serve, let me challenge you with this. Don't post a picture with hashtag serve. That's a challenge. Don't tell someone you did it. Just do it. Because when you're doing a service of God, you're not doing it to glorify yourself. You're doing it to glorify the one who should actually care. So I'm challenging you guys. Go serve your community. You might see me. I've been telling my wife because we've been going down there, but uh, the crossing guards for the school down there, sometimes they don't have volunteers. You might see me with an awesome vest on <laughs> with my little stop sign thing. And if you're driving, I'm going to stop you. But I'm going to go out and serve. And if you're saying, Vaughn, I'm too busy. I, I work too much. You, you are never too busy to serve your community. It doesn't have to be. It could be something as little, and it can take just a few minutes. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you are displaying the love of God. So it's this love like Jesus. We're called to serve our community. Here's my second point. To love like Jesus, we're called to serve in our church. To love like Jesus, we're called to serve in our church. And I want to celebrate our church just for a little bit because it's really normal for a church to have 10 to 15% of church body to do all the work. That's kind of the norm for everything. And it really, that's an unhealthy picture. And it has been my prayer and my wife's prayer that when we leave the Rock Church that we wouldn't follow this trend. We didn't want a church that was just going to be 10% of the people doing all the work because that's not a healthy body of Christ. And so we've been praying and really kind of operating through this, and we don't want to follow this trend. And so right now, our church, we're about 50 to 55% of everyone here, you have a part in the Rock Church. Come on, let's give it up. That's good. 
You guys serve in the body of Christ. And this is why it's so big, because the church for years, and especially now, and, and we don't want the Rock Church to be like this, uh, the church has been treated like a spiritual superstore where you go off and you essentially drop your kids off at a free daycare for an hour or so. And as adults, you can get free donuts and a free cup of coffee. And, and you sit down and listen to some, hopefully some great music in the morning. And you hear, uh, hopefully from a good looking pastor, a good message. That's, thank you. <laughs> the, the one guy really builds me up. That's good. And then some of you towards the end, you act like you're giving. And I say act because we receive a lot of empty sealed giving envelopes, which if you, that's fine if that's you, but don't feel manipulated if you can't give. That's okay. Just don't, don't fake it. Just pass it on. It's all right. But essentially, we, 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 we do all of this and we treat the church like a spiritual superstore. So you come here and you get all that you can and you pick and choose what you want. Well, the message was really bad, but I, I like the worship. So I'll put that in my cart for this week. And I'll keep going to this spiritual superstore until it doesn't meet my needs anymore. And then I'll go to the next spiritual superstore down the street. And you're just hopping from spiritual superstore to spiritual superstore to spiritual superstore. Let me tell you, as a Jesus follower, that's not a true reflection of what the church as a Christian should be. As a Christian, baby step 101 is you find a relationship with Jesus. Baby step two is you get plugged into his church. And that means getting out of the seats and being a productive part of Christ's body here known as the Rock Church. And that can look like a lot of different things. I'm not, I'm not gonna have you, uh, I'm not trying to manipulate into you in, into serving, but you know, as a Jesus follower, we're called to be spiritual contrib uh, contributors, not spiritual consumers, that church is not just a building, that we are, in fact, we are the church and we're called to serve. We're called to serve. And let me tell you, we have A plus people who serve in our church for free, I might add, for free. I'm the only paid person here. And let me tell you, our church operates like we're a church of a thousand people. And people here are so just, they love the church that much that they want to be served. Right now we have anywhere from six to 12 people serving in our Kids Rock, investing in your students and children with Bible studies created in a fun way to let them know that there is a Jesus that loves them and he has an identity for you. We have people who come in early, like this morning, to brew hot coffee, get free donuts and set them up for you. We just remodeled downstairs. That's all paid for. That was all done by volunteers who outside of their work week, they, for, they, they, they left their weekends, they had to take time away from their family, and they came here and dedicated service to the church. That's good. We have people who are willing to just do the, the smallest of tasks just to make sure you feel welcome just by opening the door, hopefully with a smile and saying good morning. We have a worship team that puts hours in every week to work on the worship set. We have a media team that everything goes well, you won't even notice them. And they're willing to do that because they love their job. We have people who are like Deb Schultz that spend multiple Sundays a month teaching our preschool, 
not being in here enjoying the message, but she's down there teaching our children. She comes through the week and decorates the rooms and goes above and beyond her tasks. We have people like Joe Fredericks that, that mows the church for free every week. And not only that, he mows my lawn for free for whatever reason. But that's what he does. We have, we, we have people like, like Nina and Sean Cooper who, who sees a job that needs to be done. And I can guarantee you tomorrow morning on Monday, they'll be here first thing to do that job. They don't do this because I ask them to. They do this because this is what the church does. We're called to be together, to serve together. And let me tell you, we have people serving in our church. 50, 50 to 55% of our church serves. But let me tell you, there's still room for more. There's still room for more. Each and every one of you, you have a gift from God to enable you to serve in the church. Do you enjoy cleaning? Yeah, there's freaks like that out there that like to enjoy cleaning. You can join our cleaning group. We have people, multiple people that come in and they spend hours cleaning on Saturdays. Sometimes on Fridays, but they, they do as soon as the end of the thing and they, they clean for free. You can join that crew. Do you, do you enjoy kids? You can sign up and help out with Kids Rock. Let me tell you, we have a lot of kids. I don't know how many we have right now, but we have anywhere from 30 to 50 kids a Sunday. Say that one more time. 30 to 50 kids a Sunday. We are essentially running a mini school downstairs. That is huge. From birth clear up to fifth grade. And I'm telling you, Yes, we need people, but I'm telling you, if you like, it's beyond just liking kids. If you want to invest in the next generation to equip them to change the culture that they're in, serving Kids Rock, that's where it's at. Serving Kids Rock. And let me say this, because I know we have a lot of teachers in the room, and I know you spend with kids every week, so why would we ask you to serve in Kids Rock? This is why. Because my teachers growing up, the ones that impacted my life the most, was the ones that not only invested me in my classroom, but I also saw them investing me in the Sunday school room. If you will talk about making a change in the culture that we're in right now, a kid that's gonna be impacted the most, yeah, classrooms matter. I love school, I'm all for it. But when they see their school teacher coming into them and equipping them, girding up also with Jesus, that's huge. You have more impact in that student's life than any other way. So if you're a teacher, I would actually heavily encourage you to serve in Kids Rock. It's amazing what's happening down there. We're also launching on Wednesday nights called Slam. If you want to serve in that, where we're serving K through fifth students, again, investing them and equipping them, be a part of that. Well, Vaughn, I, I can't do too much. Let me ask you this. Can you smile and open a door? If the answer is yes, why don't you just be a greeter? If you can't smile, we'll put you back there in the sound booth. I love you guys. You guys are good. It just shows that you, you there's something for everyone here to serve in Christ's body. Something for everyone here. We're called to serve in Jesus' church, and we shouldn't have the response of, I can't serve, but rather, where can I serve? Where can I serve? Let me, let me go on with this, because I got a little bit of time to play with this. Couples, if you're dating or if you're married, if you want to strengthen your relationship, serve together. Serve together. My wife and I, the reason I believe we have a great marriage and a great relationship, because our first job serving together 
was in a children's Sunday school program at a small Assembly of God church in Shattering. We did that together. If you want to strengthen your marriage, I encourage you to serve together. There's something about it where you're just doing the work of God together. I, I, I really believe it is the threatening force against the devil when couples serve together. Serve together. And when you do, trust me, we respect your time and we don't take our volunteers for granted. But when you serve, John 13, 17 begins to take place. Because remember when Jesus says, says, when you do these things, you saw me do it, but when you do it, you're going to be blessed. Now, what's interesting about this is that the King James Version actually says happy. One of the few times the Bible ever says, if you do this, you will be happy. Because happiness is based on circumstance. And this is a circumstantial thing. Because there's something about when you serve in Jesus's church, you're fulfilled. You know you're doing a part. You're an active member of advancing God's kingdom in North Platte. So my question is this, in this section of the message, what can you do to serve in the body of Christ here in the Rock Church? What can you do? People are serving everywhere. We have community groups that are running a year long and we have uh, two people other than myself who are willing to do that free because they see the importance of community. And so that leads me to this part in your message, guys, as we wrap this up. There's this orange card, Carl, put me in coach because we believe we're a team. And if you can do us a favor, can you just look over this? And if you're not serving, can you just see where you can fit in here at the Rock Church? Because I'm telling you, if you don't serve, you're gonna become a spiritual consumer and you're gonna start feeling like we're not meeting your needs. You're gonna go to the next spiritual superstore. Because church is not created to be consumed. It's created to be immersed in and to experience together. So do me a favor. Can you look over this? There's four different areas there. And there's this another section that says, I want to serve, but I'm not sure where. Can you help me? We can help you with that. And if you have any other interests or anything like that I can provide, just check other. It's really interesting. I had a guy who says, I don't know what I can do, but I can tell you I'm a builder. I'm a fixer. That's what I can do. And I said, you know what? I'm going to call you. I need something fixed at the church. And I have a group of men that rely on to do that. Whatever you believe you're gifted to do, would you mark that down? And we're going to be receiving tithes and offerings here just in a couple moments to so drop that in the basket as it goes by. And what we're going to do, we're not going to do anything weird. We're just going to send you just a quick email with that leader who is in charge of the, all these different areas. We're just going to leave it at that. We're not going to try to push you into something. We're not going to try to manipulate and hear into something. But church, you need to know that we are called to serve. I like, I like to say it better this way, that we are servants who are called to lead in our community and as church just as Jesus did. You are servants called to lead. You are servants who are called to lead. John 13, Jesus gave us an example of servanthood. I say, Rock Church, let's embody that, amen? Let's embody that. So if you can bow your heads, close your eyes, I want to pray.